listening to On Human Rights, where we talk to experts around the world about the latest and most important issues on human rights and humanitarian law. We're broadcasting from the Raoul Wallenberg Institute in Lund, Sweden. I'm Patricia Barrenechea. Michael Balczak is a professor of international human rights law at the Nicolas Copernicus University in Poland. Today, we're going to speak to him about his work as a member of the UN's Working Group Committee of Experts on People of African Descent. Hello, Michael. Thank you for being with us today. Hello, good morning. Michael, uh, can you tell us briefly about the creation of this working group and its purpose? Well, of course. Um, and just let me first of all thank you for the invitation to this conversation. It's uh, extremely important for our working group to, um, well, publicize about its activities. Um, the working group is uh, the so-called special procedure, one of special procedures of the Human Rights Council of the United Nations. Uh, it has been established in 2002 following the Durban Conference, the World Conference Against Racism, Racial Discrimination, Xenophobia and Related Intolerance. And it is in operation since 2002. And our mandate, the mandate of the group, uh, comes from the Human Rights uh, Council. Its main purpose is to study the situation of people of African descent, to gather information, to make recommendations and to uh, conduct country visits. Reading through the Durban Declaration, uh, which was adopted at the World Conference Against Racism, Russell Discrimination, Xenophobia and Related Intolerance in 2001, paragraph 13 jumped up to me. Um, it says uh, that uh, Africans and people of African descent continue to be victims of slavery and the slave trade today. How so? Well, uh, first of all, it's, uh, of course, important to have the Durban Declaration in mind when we discuss um, the problems of racism and racial discrimination. Uh, it has been just 15th anniversary of that declaration, and um, despite the difficulties, certain difficulties, the, the declaration should be regarded as a as a success. Now, you ask about the victims of slavery and um, how, how come that paragraph 13 of the declaration refers to that they continue to be the victim. Well, in fact, the declaration uh, refers to, uh, uh, to the fact that people of African descent, but also, uh, for instance, uh, people of Asian descent also, and indigenous people, that they all continue to be victims of the consequences of slavery. Because even though uh, the, the world, as we know, the, the contemporary world uh, managed to eradicate slavery uh, in, in institutional terms, unfortunately, uh, well, much has remained to be done in the sphere of certain legacy, of the, the sad legacy of colonialism and, uh, and slavery. And to, to cut a long story short... Um, Well, the slavery didn't end with just the formal uh, abolishment of slavery, unfortunately. Mm. It's also important sometimes to use, to distinguish between slavery and enslavement. Slavement is a broader term. And um, briefly speaking, um, we still uh, experience, we still see 
uh, how the uh, certain consequences of, of enslavement uh, affect people of African descent. And this is our main uh, field, main area of activities. We should uh, simply uh, elim eliminate and eradicate the consequences of slavery. The Durban uh, Declaration also makes reference to colonialism as, uh, as one of the causes of discrimination for people of African descent today. Do you think that um, colonialism is still an issue today or that it is uh, something relegated to the past? Uh, well, of course it's still an issue because, as you know, there's much discussion about post-colonialism and, uh, mm -hmm. again, about uh, um, certain... Uh, outcomes and certain consequences of, of the uh, colonial uh, system. Um, fortunately, uh, the colonialism as such has been has been abolished, but um, still uh, we do see how much it changed also the social relationships, how negatively it has influenced uh, the, the populations around the world. You know, our group focuses both on the post-colonial powers and focuses also on the on the states and populations which has been victims of colonialism. This is why the group visits both states which were, well, abusing others, which were colonial powers, but also it, it pays much attention to the, the places, uh, uh, to, to states which has been um, uh, under colonial domination. Mm -hmm. What uh, forms do you think that colonialism takes nowadays? And how does it affect Africans and people of African descent? Yes, well, um, you know, colonialism, well, the uh, contemporary, well, colonialism or post-colonialism, mm -hmm. uh, call it as you wish, is in fact um, very much visible in, uh, for instance, economical inequalities uh, in, uh, as it comes to the enjoyment of human rights. Uh, this is, uh, again, the, the legacy, the unfortunate legacy of colonialism that the um, states uh, which has been under colonial uh, domination experienced much difficulties and its populations are also subjected to very harsh um, consequences of that. So um, we pay much attention as a group uh, when we visit um, states, when we conduct country visits to um, identify um, this um, negative aspects of post-colonialism and of course to, to make recommendations um, in that respect. Which rights uh, do you think are most violated against for people of African descent? Oh, well, that's, uh, of course, uh, not, a, not an easy question since the list would be very long. I think the people of African descent experience um, uh, and they face human rights violations in various areas. Of course, uh, a prohibition of discrimination is, uh, would be on the top of the list. But also, um, I think we can find numerous examples, both in the area of political rights, as well as social, economic, and, and cultural rights um, as well. Um, it always depends. Um, it's sometimes, well, country-specific. Mm, let me tell you that um, we produce a very detailed reports after our country visits, uh, and uh, we identify specific examples. Uh, just recently, in January, the group has visited the United States, um, where we have uh, spent uh, well two weeks, uh, and the list of uh, well violations list of uh, concerns is quite long. But let me also tell you, it might be of interest that in 2014 the working group has visited Sweden mm. in December 2014, and actually the report 
uh, from that country visit in Sweden is is available on the on the group's website. It's of course quite lengthy. I cannot discuss it now in detail because it's 20 pages and the recommendations, the list of concerns is like four four pages long. But um, I very much encourage you to to have a look at it. Uh, it's um, it's uh, well very easily available on the group's website. How is uh, the working group on uh, people of African descent helping to change this reality that you talked about? Well, yes, uh, of course we do what we can to fulfill the mandate that we were given. So first of all, um, we uh, try to um, gather information, we try to um, have uh, to have the public uh, sessions also to, to publicize about uh, our activities. Um, uh, and uh, our recommendations are usually very detailed. We enter into dialogue with um, with governments. Uh, we are uh, very much trying also to follow up on, on our recommendations. And therefore, it is, uh, well, extremely important that the country visits are usually followed five years later. Uh, so, again, we are realistic. It's not like we can change that, uh, well, simply um, by having country visits. We also are aware that uh, our mandate is, uh, well, specific. It's, for instance, we cannot adjudicate on complaints. But on the other hand, we do receive sometimes information about human rights violations. We do receive information about, uh, well, disturbing uh, events which affect people of African descent. And we may react. We do. We we enter into contact with governments. We uh, we press them to, to explain, to change the situation. So this is how we change the reality. Usually we as uh, individuals and uh, members of society don't think that we can do much to combat discrimination in our daily lives. Um, however, I bet there are still many things we can do to change this reality. Uh, Michael, how do you think we, as uh, individuals, can combat discrimination against people of African descent in our daily lives? Well, that's a very important question, Patricia. And um, I believe that uh, it's, it's true that everybody has a certain mandate to combat discrimination in our daily lives. I think it's important, first of all, to be aware of that discrimination. It's uh, important to not to close our eyes when we see it. Um, it's important to react. Um, you know, um, well, contemporary Europe, for instance, is also is facing many difficulties as regards human rights. We have, uh, well, uh, crises um, across the continent. Uh, but uh, we should not, again, um, well, be indifferent to it. Uh, so, uh, well, uh, be active. Try to engage also, talk about it, talk about how to combat discrimination. Uh, try to learn as much as you can about it, uh, and uh, try to make the difference in your uh, in your in your life simply by um, having this uh, open-minded attitude and human rights-oriented attitude. Okay, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you very much. Uh, again, I very much appreciate it, and of course, I invite you to take uh, much in, more interest into our activities. Thank you. We just spoke to Michael Balsasek, member of the Committee of Experts on People of African Descent of the UN. On Human Rights is broadcast from the Raoul Wallenberg Institute in Lund, Sweden. I'm Patricia Berenicea. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back soon with more interviews from human rights experts from around the world.